The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. Shady Rays is having their best deal of the year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code SGPN for 50% off of two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Roster brought to you by the SGPN's Draft Week. All week long, SGPN has you covered with draft props, mock drafts, and our live NFL watch party. So make sure to smash that subscribe button at youtube.com slash sports gambling podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, April 25th, currently 11.04 on the East Coast, here to recap the NBA playoffs action from the Monday night schedule, and we'll get into the three-game schedule here tonight in the NBA playoffs. But joining me here to help me break it all down, you guys know him as a voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, the Tennis Gambling Podcast, and of course here on the NBA Gambling Podcast, it's Scott Studio Rochelle. Scott, what's going on, my man? Yeah, nothing much. I feel like it's going to be pretty difficult to uh, find the games that top what happened yesterday, but you know, you never know. We'll see what happens uh, for the Tuesday card. A couple really good games. Really no way around it. You ended up having an all-time performance, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah. And then you had the uh, Lakers Grizzlies game, which was the truth is a really ugly game. And I thought the officiating was kind of atrocious down the stretch, mm-hmm. but still the game was competitive. Game was close. And LeBron took over in the end. We'll talk about that game too. I'm sure because once again, there weren't uh, really any games we can choose to ignore because I thought every game had some type of content worth talking about, but the Lakers are up three, one and the heat are up three, one. So yeah, uh, definitely interesting, definitely fun, but I feel like I'm going to save the rest of the actual analysis for our conversation. By the way, before I forget, mm-hmm. everybody can get off my back because Capella went under 10.5 points, <laughs> so everyone can leave me alone. I just want to get that out there. <laughs> yeah, you need to thank Quinn Snyder for that. I don't think he played that entire fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> well, I'm talking about game – I wasn't talking about uh, game – Four. Oh, I wasn't talking about game four. I was talking about game three. Game three. Okay, okay. Uh, and also joining us here, you guys know him as the newest voice on the NBA Gambling Podcast. It's Delonte Smith. Playoff Lante, what's going on, my man? How you doing, bro? Hey, man, another day, another playoff uh, series. Unfortunately, we probably won't get the drama and theater that we got uh, last night. But, yeah, man, looking forward to keeping it going and uh, getting some of these series over with so we can get into the actual real games uh, in the semi. So, yeah, looking forward to that and um, looking forward to talking about the car with you guys today. Yeah, I mean, you guys mentioned it. Two of the probably the best games we've had so far mm-hmm. in the NBA playoffs. One for sure between the um, Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat last night. Um, Miami gets the outright victory last night over the number one seed, the Milwaukee Bucks, 119 114. Uh, in one of the um, most epic playoff performances, we can say, from Jimmy Butler last night. 56 points uh, last night. He finished up with nine rebounds as well. Um, it looked like Bucks early on, at least in the first half and the first quarter, were they looked like, I mean, they weren't in cruise control, but it looked like they were going to control the game from that tip. Uh, but Jimmy Butler, I think, had at least, tw- I know he had a minimum of 20 in that first quarter 
for the Miami Heat. But um, it was a tale of two halves. And I think we've talked a lot about that um, for these NBA playoffs so far. Milwaukee was up 57 to 50 in that first half. And then Miami just turned it up and um, just took over, especially, like I said, led by Jimmy Butler. They outscored the Milwaukee Bucks in the second half, 69 to 57 to get a five point victory. They now take a commanding 3 1 lead. Did see the return of Giannis last night. He did, I believe, post a triple double last night uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. If you would have told me, guys, that if that Giannis was going to drop a triple double and that Brooke Lopez was going to score 36 points last night, I would have told you that. Uh, Milwaukee ran away with this thing and probably won by 10 plus or at least 15 plus points last night. But the bigger story, obviously, Jimmy Butler last night, 19 of 28 from the floor, three of eight from three point land, 15 of 18 from the free throw line. He finished the game with 56 points. Uh, Scott, uh, Milwaukee officially in trouble here. Well, yes. I mean, they, they need to win three <laughs> games in a row to avoid getting eliminated. So, yes, they're in trouble. However, according to the betting odds, it seems like people expect Milwaukee to realistically come back. Uh, you're looking at the actual prices and a team down 3-1. Once again, Miami needs to win one of the next three games to win the series. Yep. Milwaukee's roughly plus 120 to win the next three games which I find insane to me. <laughs> I, I feel like at that point, you might as well just try to roll over parlay each individual game. Exactly. But I understand the argument that Milwaukee still has two home games, and you could talk about how, you know, maybe the um, maybe the Heat can find a way to win another game, and, you know, maybe they can. But the point is, I really just thought that Milwaukee took their foot off the gas. They were up by basically double digits with about seven minutes to go. Yeah. Butler checked back in and he took over the game and he ended up once again with 56. But I mean, I've said this for several years and yes, I know they won the championship partly because of Kevin Durant's shoe size. I'm not a, a Bootenhoser guy. I, I never have been. I, I just think that he's a coach who refuses to make adjustments. He's kind of stuck in his own ways. When he does make an adjustment, it seems to come a game or two late. And it feels like the obvious adjustment from yesterday's game was get the ball out of Jimmy Butler's hands and make somebody else beat you. And Bootenhoser just decided, you know what? He's got 50 points. Let's see if he can get to 56. And I'm like, what are you What are you doing? Like, he's the one guy who's been killing you the entire game. Now, shout out to Caleb Martin. He had a couple of big shots. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Kyle Lowry, who played some great defense. But I feel like it's common sense. If one guy scores 22 or 24 points in the first quarter and he's pushing 60 Maybe you should double team the guy at some point in the fourth quarter while your team is falling apart. And Bootenhoser didn't do anything. He just stood there and watched his team implode. And I feel you'd even say that about the Nets series, which they won in the end in overtime in game seven. Mm. But Durant was like the only player worth a damn. He had a 40 point triple double in that series. And Bootenhoser was just letting Durant torch this team the entire series. And you figure at some point he's going to make an adjustment. And he never did. And, and I feel like the issue that you have is with coaching. If Budenhoser loses, or I should say if Milwaukee loses the series, Budenhoser has to get fired. I, I don't care how many championships you've won. I don't care how many one seeds you've gotten. Budenhoser has to be fired if they lose the series. Because I know Butler was unbelievable. I know that he took the game over. But if you're the opposing coach, you can't continually let the same player take the game over when the writing was on the wall in the first five minutes of regulation. Yeah, there was a stretch where 
24 um, points, like 22, 24 points in the first Bucks, quarter. Yeah, 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 in the first quarter. But uh, there was a stretch, I think, in that fourth quarter, like you mentioned, I think when Butler did check back in where they went on like a 12-0 run to take the lead. With, like, I think it was 13-0 like to, yeah. to tie the game, I think, yeah. Um, and then down the stretch, I mean, Jimmy Butler hit a couple of clutch shots. Like you mentioned, Caleb Martin hit a couple of clutch shots as well. But, um, yeah, again, a lot of times we get into these conversations about teams that – from an X's O standpoint, a lot of the time it is it is coaching, right? And I think that I haven't. I think great Coach Bud is a great regular season coach. Um, playoffs, it's a different story. I think that the Bucks were fortunate. Um, I'm not going to say f- the cards lined up for them when they did win the championship because I know both Phoenix and Milwaukee dealt with teams in their respective conferences that the teams were dealing with significant injuries to their opponents. So. Um, but again, not to take anything away from the Bucks. I mean, they still have a great team. They still have a great roster. I wonder what would happen if you put like an Eric Spolstra as a head coach of the Miami Heat or maybe even a Nick Nurse as a, as a head coach of that team. So, uh, yeah, look, back against the wall now. It, it's it's winner go home in every Do you agree, by the games. way, if the Bucks lose this series, Budenhoser will be fired? You I think don't that think they just, he has the reputation for winning a ring. They're just going to keep him anyway. Yeah, they're going to keep him anyways. And again, I think that call may just come down to Giannis. Um, I, I really do think so. But um, I don't know. I don't think they'll fire him just because, like you mentioned, he does have that ring or that they just won a couple uh, seasons ago. But I think uh, they Delonte, should. If they yeah. Lose. Yeah. Delonte, thoughts from last night? Yeah, I think you guys pretty much hit on it. Um, and JB was hitting on it in the chat also. The timeout, like they, they went on, a, I think, a four, it was 6 0. Uh, then it was eight zero, and then like Charles outlined it too on the on the broadcast. Like you got to call the timeout and get, you got to do some adjusting. Um, mm-hmm. Now on, on one end, I can see like how okay, you you want to live with okay if Jimmy's making those shots, like okay I get it. But when he's on a heater like that, like you got to do something to get the ball out of his hands, especially if they're compromised. They don't have really have a ball handler on the floor. They started. Struce and Vincent uh, at their backcourt, two guys mm-hmm. who aren't known for, you know, ball handling or initiating offense. So I thought that was a mistake right then, not putting Drew Holiday on a ball handler trying to force turnovers because they would get easy entry passes to Jimmy whenever they wanted. Yeah. Now you could tell he was exhausted after the first quarter because he didn't do much in between the second and third quarter. But I thought the game was pretty much lost whenever Jimmy was on the bench and they didn't extend the lead. Like he was on the bench for the first four or five minutes for the fourth quarter. And I think maybe they might have been a plus. I think Miami might have been like a plus two. That was during that Caleb Martin uh, stretch. So I thought he lost the game right there. Um, honestly, I thought Milwaukee was in control. Like you said, went off at the top. I thought they were in control of the game for, you know, three and a half quarters, yeah. especially after the uh, no look Giannis pass to get him his 10th assist. I thought it was, I thought it was over. And the fall away three from, from Brooke. Mm-hmm. I thought it was over, but um, yeah, I mean, I've never been a fan of Bud either. I'm not sure how he has the coaching, I guess. Uh, he he just lacks some intellect as far as managing the game, which is kind of hard to figure when you come from a Greg Popovich coaching tree. So, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Milwaukee probably can still win the series. I'm probably in the minority, but they're probably going to smash. Uh, I'm, I'm not home. picking Miami to officially win the series. I just think the odds are absurd. Yeah, yeah no, the they odds are. are really yeah, absurd, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. I, I, w- I wouldn't bet on them, but you could just bet, like you said, Scott, you could just bet it individually. Um, but 120 is a joke. Like, that's yeah. a joke, seriously. Um, but, I mean, Jimmy's pro- they're probably going to be out of gas in game five with travel. So, my, I mean, Milwaukee is likely to smash them here. If they get to a game seven, I think Milwaukee, best player on the floor with Giannis, I think they'll come out and show 
that uh, they're the superior team. But I am worried about some of the things that pre- transpired in that game as far as from a coaching standpoint. They, they literally got beat by one player, like you said. So, yeah, um, yeah I really it's not really much to add. It's just an incredible game by Jimmy. Uh, like incredible. He's making some unbelievable shots, shots that if he made uh, last year, they probably would have been in the, in the uh, title game. Um, but I, I think the book, I think the book's going to make some adjustments from a game to game and, and get it done uh, and win the series four three. That's just my, just, I guess it's not a hot take because the odds don't flip that. But just to ask who was guarding Butler for most of the game. Probably a mixture of Drew and Middleton. Yeah, I was going to say Drew was on him. I think Drew Drew was really on him. Uh, that was kind of my uh, point because yeah, Drew didn't have kind of a, it was a rhetorical yeah, question didn't. because Drew is regarded as being arguably the best defensive player in the league. In fact, in the random uh, voting amongst you know they had to do that poll with anonymous NBA players, mm-hmm. they voted for Drew Holiday to be the best defensive player in the league. I believe he was the first place vote getter yeah. and. He basically gave up 56 on his head in a playoff game, not to mention all the brick shots that Holiday had on the offensive end. He was really bad yesterday. So I think that's one player I kind of have to call out. I can't give all of the blame to, to Coach Bud. A lot of it does go to Coach Bud for overall game planning and a lack of adjustments. But I got to call out Holiday because I thought he was very, very bad on both ends of the floor. I think I, think I, got, I have to at least mention him. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not. I, I love Drew Holiday. He could be on my team any day of the day. Yeah, it was a bad I mean, game. He's just, it was just one bad game. I'm not going to take anything away from him. But sometimes you just have a player that I mean, they just walk into fire. the gym Goodness. and yeah, you can't do anything as 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 much as you want to. You know, if you're one of the best defensive players and and that players that ball that you're throwing into that hoop is going to feel like an ocean to that player. And that was just Jimmy Butler last night. So you know, it was one game. It's one game, but again, for Milwaukee. Now you got to go out and win three straight. Now we'll find out the the grit and and how um, how this team responds to adversity because I don't think they've been in this situation uh, over the past couple of playoffs. So we'll we'll find out. Um, I think that game five they should probably come out and smash, and then we'll see what happens in game six. So, um, but yeah, give credit to Miami. Give credit a lot of credit to Jimmy Butler. One of the better playoff performances that we have seen um, in some time uh, from a player um, to drop fifty plus points. Um, all right, guys, before we get over to the Lakers and Grizz game, let me tell everyone about our friends at Shady Rays. They've got you covered from the sun to the slope with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Race offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. Today, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. And if you don't love them... Exchange it for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays has given out their best deal of the year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code SGPN for 50% off of two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. 
All right, gentlemen, second game of the night. We saw the L.A. Lakers uh, defend home court. They get the victory in overtime last night uh, against the Grizzlies. This uh, game ended up in a 117-111 victory for the L.A. Lakers. Uh, if you had the Lakers, you want to probably send a thank you gift to Dylan Brooks. That was the first or... overtime game, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, uh, Minnesota and Denver went to. Overtime. Oh, that's right. That went to overtime yeah, a day on or Sunday. Two ago. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Um, I, f- I forgot Minnesota blew like an eleven-point lead in the final two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, Dylan Brooks. Uh, maybe he bet on the Lakers last time because he fell for no apparent reason in that final. What was like point two left or something yeah, like point that? Three. Point, point three. Yeah. Point three. Uh, but nonetheless, Lakers get the cover. Uh, whether it's four and a half or five, depending on your number. But they win the game by six. Game goes over the total thanks to overtime. Um, LeBron last night really led the way for the LA Lakers. Um, twenty-two points, twenty rebounds. He played forty-five. Of the 53 minutes last night, um, all five uh, starters for the Lakers were in double figures last night uh, for the L.A. Lakers. Um, Austin Reeves, also another great game for him. I mean, the guy has really just flourished uh, this season for the Lakers. He finished up with 23 for the Grizzlies. Uh, Desmond Bain, um, not a really an efficient night last night. He did score 36. He was 13 of 29 from the floor. 3 of 12 from three-point land. Uh, John Rand chipped in with 19 points. Didn't have a great shooting night either. He was 8 of 24, but the Lakers do get the victory at the end of the day. They take a commanding 3-1 to lead over Memphis as the series will head back to Memphis for Game 5. But uh, Delonte, lead us off with this game. Any takeaways from this game last time between the Lakers and the Grizz? Yeah, I pretty much just thought that the Memphis lost it more than the Lakers won the game. Down the stretch, I think they were up like seven with like three minutes left. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought they didn't take advantage of AD being out for the most for most part of the time. They had no rim protection. Like Xavier Tillman, uh, Triple J, Ja, they were getting to the rim at ease when AD wasn't in the game, and they just went away from it for whatever reason. Now Bain hit some timely shots, but he missed a t- he missed back to back threes in the corner. I think to go up four. I think they were up one hundred one one hundred. Um, after 80 missed free throw. So he missed both of those good looks. Uh, yeah, I just thought Memphis uh, played – they played well enough to win. They just didn't play well enough down the stretch to win. But overall, in you know, about three-and-a-half to three-and-three-fourths quarters, they played well enough to win. Um, the Lakers just took it from them in the end. But I don't think it was something impressive or something that was, like, eye-popping as far as what the Lakers did. I mean, LeBron had 12 points, I think, going into the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken, or – midway through the third something mm-hmm. like that because uh, i was talking to one of my friends who's a big lebron fan and i'm like like lebron and ad haven't touched the ball in i don't know how many possessions not good so yeah i, I mean memphis blew it they were hunting fouls uh, kind of like what sacramento was doing in golden state ja was going to the rim reckless not even looking to score the ball which he shouldn't have been rewarded for it because i don't think referees should award guys for going up and just trying to draw a foul instead of having to at least try to finish so I thought that played a part in it. Uh, at the end of the day, Memphis just doesn't have enough guys. They don't have enough shot makers. Um, I thought Kennard should have played more. Um, some of the things that he was doing, I, I thought were pretty good with him and Bain on the floor as far as like spacing the floor. Too many Tillman minutes down the stretch. Uh, AD in the paint obviously is you know one of the best shot blockers that we have in the game. So why not put Triple J at the five, put Kennard at the four and space out the four. You have AD out of the paint so Ja can have, you know, those lanes to the basket. 
Uh, I won't even speak on Dylan Brooks. I mean, coward. He wants he wants to talk all all the <laughs> shit in the world. Is he going to be in the league next year? I mean, I, free, I think people he's a free agent. Like, is, some, yeah. is a team actually going to sign him? Yeah, somebody will sign him. Yeah. Think so? team will M- sign Memphis, him. Memphis will probably sign him, to be honest. I think Memphis is done. I don't think. I think they're done with them. Memphis is done. I'm not sure about any other teams. People say that about Draymond, but he's still here. But Draymond is actually like, he's a, like, yeah, he's like, I would definitely have Draymond over Dylan Brooks. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that. But yeah, Yeah. I I think, I think Memphis, I think the identity. I think Draymond's leaving Golden State too during the offseason, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think Memphis needs the identity for his team because they don't have, like, who's the other defender? On ball defender, not Jan Jackson. Like, they don't have another on ball defender to, to take place of what now he is a decent defender. Man, like, I won't take that away from him. Days. But as far as you want to talk, like talk all this stuff about these other guys and then not speak to the media, that's that's coward. That's cowardly to me. No, no respect for him at all in that aspect. But yeah, I don't think it was nothing crazy that the Lakers did to win. I thought Memphis blew it. Uh, Lakers will probably get smashed next round when Golden State comes to town. So, um, yeah, I think that this series is kind of playing out how I thought. I think like. John, we knew John Moran was going to have his games. I know it wasn't last night, but there's just a significant fall. I, you know, we, we talk, I've talked about this numerous times. It's just a significant fall off after John Moran that like they don't have that next consistent star or consistent score. Like we know Desmond Bain can get his as well, but they're going to have to get another star player, another superstar next to John Moran if this team wants to have success. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a great defensive player, but. You need like Desmond Bay, I think, could be a good three for this team, but you need to get another star along, yeah. I agree. Uh, John Morant for this team to have success or, or make it deep, uh, make a deep playoff run. Well, what what position are you thinking of? Like, small I think it would have to be star? like, yeah, yeah, like a like they a gotta get some dip too, wing. they don't have any dip, yeah. Like, that bench is like, I mean, it's Luke, I mean, no disrespect to Luke Kennard, but it's Luke Kennard, David Roddy. I know they're missing Steven Adams and Bren Clark as well, but. I think they probably have to get like a like a small forward position. I don't think it could be a shooting guard. Like you have Desmond Bain there, and yeah. we know how do- ball dominant John Moran is, but he's going to have to learn how to play some defense. Number one, John Morant, and also be a team player. But we'll talk about that conversation uh, on the off season. Scott, any takeaways from the Lakers and Grizz last night? It was a very ugly game, as I said before. Uh, the Grizzlies. I agree with Delonte. I thought the Grizzlies had the game basically won. Shout out to D'Angelo Russell, though. Had a couple of big three-pointers and big shots there in the fourth quarter to keep the Lakers in it. But I have to give him props. You know, if I'm going to roast them, I got to give him props for making some big shots late in the game. But it was the perfect storm for them. Uh, Memphis was getting killed early. They cut it to basically two or four before half. Yeah. Uh, they cut it to two before half. AD no-showed the game offensively. He went four for 13. And you're thinking, okay, LeBron only has 22 points. AD only scores 12 you have to win that game. Just, yeah. as, just as simple as that. You have to win it. And I thought what really killed Memphis, I know that nobody could really hit a three-pointer in the entire game for both teams. The Grizzlies in that game went nine for 42 from three. Lakers went 10 of 36, and really nobody could shoot. But Memphis, you have to make some more shots. Bain had 36 points. He was only three for 12 from three. He yeah. hit none of the big three-pointers they needed. Down the stretch, he missed a couple in the far end corner. Then he had one in the short end corner in overtime. Really couldn't make a shot late. I thought Jaw's shot selection throughout the game was really just not great. I understand the argument is, well, Jaw's not a great three-point shooter, and the Lakers are packing the middle. So what is Jaw supposed to do? That's kind (laughs) of my point. That's why I kind of have some issue with his offensive game. I know that he's a pretty good shooter at the mid-range floater, 
but I really hated what Memphis was doing in overtime because AD, whether he was good offensively or not, AD when healthy or even when like 60% healthy is what a top five defensive player in the league. Three, probably. I think he's a top seven player overall when healthy. Yeah. Um, when, when healthy, I think he's the best defensive player in the league. Sure. I think AD though is at this point probably like 70% give yeah. or take. So can you explain to me why every single possession in overtime Memphis is calling a pick and roll with AD involved to get AD switched on to John Moran. Why would you even bother trying to do that? It doesn't make any sense. I just hated everything Memphis did in overtime in terms of offensive game planning because AD is your best defensive player. And yes, I know the argument in principle, you want opposing centers to be guarding your point guard, not Not when it's Anthony Davis. (laughs) Like you should probably get Reeves or somebody else switched on him that Ja can actually blow past, but the entire overtime was getting AD away from the basket, but Ja's not a good enough shooter to make AD pay for sagging off of him and guarding him in the paint. I just hated Jenkins' entire offensive game plan in overtime, and it looked like Memphis was clueless the entire overtime. So yeah, I think the thing that was my was, issue. I hated yeah, the game plan of getting AD involved in pick and rolls when he did a good job on Ja the entire night. They made no adjustments from that. Yeah, the um to to piggyback from your pick and roll thing, like he was guarding he was guarding Xavier Tillman, which he was he was essentially playing center field. So like he doesn't have to guard him outside the paint. So in the pick and roll, I mean they can just trap him. Xavier Tillman's not gonna knock down a three. So they can just trap job, make him give up the ball, and then the rotation is only but so far that he can go to protect the rim. So I mean, yeah, I didn't get that either. I thought Don't get me wrong, Kennard wasn't good in the plus minus whenever he did play, but then again, he was mostly with the bench unit. I agree with you about Tillman. I get the argument is we need to rebound, and they still give up a couple of of big offensive rebounds anyway. But whatever you were trying to do offensively didn't work, and nobody on your team could shoot except for Kennard last night. You probably should have given Kennard a couple of minutes here and there just because of spacing. He'd give you something. You had nobody who could shoot the entire night from the outside besides Kennard. That was my issue, too. I think that's... That's the issue that you're having to rely on Luke Kennard to give you something off the bench. That's for this also team. why plus minus is somewhat misleading at times because yeah. Kennard's mostly with the bench unit, so he's a negative 10 in like 14 minutes. But once again, Bain couldn't hit a jump shot. Ja was one for seven from th- one for six from three. Mm. Brooks was one for seven from three. Jackson was 0 for four. Nobody could shoot. Yeah. yeah, I thought their I thought their quality of shots was bad, like in the timing of when they shot those shots. I thought that was like extremely horrible, especially down the stretch um, of that game. Um, so I think that played a part in it. Like I said, I mean, it, the Lakers, they won the game, but they kind of didn't do anything to impress But me that's kind of how the Lakers need to win. They need to mm-hmm. win ugly. Yeah. And they've done Which that. Why I think Golden State's going to give them some problems next round because Golden State's going to make AD and LeBron run, and they could actually hit jump shots. But the Lakers, if they could choose the script, they want a physical game – that's relatively ugly, like the game was yesterday, and it worked out for him. But mm-hmm. Memphis had a decent amount of shots from three, and they couldn't hit any of them. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, now the series will shift back to Memphis uh, for Game Five. Uh, Lakers looking to close it out uh, in that game and advance to, uh, which looks more than likely now that it will be the Golden State Warriors. All right, guys, before we get into the three-game schedule here for tonight, let me tell everyone about Underdog Fantasy. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. The NBA and NHL playoffs are here. And what better way to get down on some player prop parlays and over at Underdog Fantasy? 
Besides daily NHL, NBA, and MLB games, they've also already got NFL best ball drafts with a guaranteed half million in prizes. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And we're also brought to you by the SGPN's Draft Week. SGPN is holding a free NFL Drafts Props contest exclusively for members in our Discord. It's completely free to join, and the winner gets $250 in cash and a $50 SGPN gift card. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord and go to the NFL channel for the sign-up link. All right, guys, we've got three games on the schedule here tonight in the NBA playoff. Let's kick it off with the first game. We've got the Atlanta Hawks. They are going to be in Boston here tonight. Uh, Boston looking to close the series out as they have a three to, uh, three games to one lead over the Atlanta Hawks. Um, obviously, the big news in this story, no DeJounte Murray. He made contact with a referee at the end of game four as they were walking off the floor. So no DeJounte Murray in this game. To be fair, I'm sure he might he had some flights already booked. So he knew he wasn't he wouldn't be available for game five. Yeah. So now he can go to the airport. <laughs> he probably I didn't even see that. I didn't even see that. Uh him bump the riff. Yeah. yeah they're walking off. Video. He bumped him and he said something in his ear and then he walked yeah. away. So he wanted to let him know he's going to be on vacation in a couple of days and he wanted to wish him a happy offseason. He so, probably told his agent, if we lose game three, just go in and book my flights and I'm going to do something game stupid. Four, oh, yeah, sorry, game four. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm going to be off to vacation. But um, probably lose our best defender at this point. I mean, Boston has still been getting whatever they want really offensively, especially over the last two games uh, in this series. But right now the number stands at 13. Delonte is a smash spot for the Celtics. Or do you think the Hawks can cover this number? Yeah, I mean, the Celtics should blow them out. The only thing I have a problem with as far as laying the number is if, like, let's say, for instance, they're up. Now, the Celtics bench is more than capable of, you know, sustaining a, a decent lead. I mean, they got guys who play, like, their their bench guys play with the starting five, so it's not like they're just bottom feeders or whatever. But my issue is, obviously, you know the history of Robert Williams as far as his injury history. So if things get out of hand early, let's say, 14 to 15 in the fourth quarter, does Missoula pull those guys, you know, to prevent injury? That's the only thing, because I'm pretty sure he has enough faith in uh, Grant Williams, I guess, uh, you know, Brogdon to a certain extent, and some of those lesser guys to get in and just play even basketball and win by, you know, eight or nine. That's the only issue I have with laying the number, uh, but I wouldn't look any other way. Like you said, Hawks lost the best defender, even with, Murray on the court is a freeway to the basket. Like Brogdon was going to the basket at ease. Smart even hurt going to the basket at ease. Um, and I don't think Boston particularly played that well in game four, to be honest. And they still uh, put up what, like over 120. Generational um, stat padding by Trey Young in that game, by the way. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He finished but, with 35, and I, I think he had like 14 entering the fourth quarter, and he was really just brutal from the floor until the final five minutes. But yeah, yeah. I think he had like three, like three back to back to back threes from the logo at like yeah. 60 seconds left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I man, I wouldn't lean, I wouldn't uh bet the Hawks at all. Um, I think they're pretty much checked out with all the scrutiny going around in that organization as far as um, some of the players being in and being out. Uh, but the only thing that does worry me is the fact that the Celtics could pull, you know, some of those starters, especially with Jalen's hand, 
issue that's going on. So you don't want to further injure these guys going into the series against Philly when you already kind of have the upper hand on Philly with Embiid uh, supposedly to miss the first game or two. So I'd lean to the Celtics. Uh, my favorite play will be a little bit later on when we talk about the the total. Yeah, I think that if they're up by like 20 plus in that fourth quarter with like eight, nine minutes left that he probably pulls the starters. But I think like you mentioned, there's still enough bench depth for the Celtics team to, you know, hold on to that lead and, and get it uh, going here. But I think DeJounte Murray's probably been the more consistent scorer, if not the most consistent mm-hmm. scorer in the series in the first four games here for the uh, Atlanta Hawks. And he's taken at least 20 plus shots in all four games. So they're really going to miss him here tonight. So obviously that's going to open up a lot of shot opportunities for other guys, but <clears throat> as bad as Trey has been um, this season, and even it's been the series, I, I think I find a hard time for the Celtics. Oh, sorry, for the Hawks here, uh, especially early on. I really do like Celtics early and in the first half as well. Uh, Scott, thoughts on this uh, spread here, minus 13? It really comes down to if Boston cares enough, but if you want to just go based on what I've seen in the series, I think Atlanta is going to get killed. Uh, I just think Boston's going to win this game comfortably. Atlanta, not even just based on the fact that they are already outmatched talent-wise, emotionally you lost your second best player mm-hmm. you're down 3-1 you're on the road in boston do i really think your team's going to show up for this game probably not like I, I don't think that i think if boston punches them in the mouth in the first five minutes the game's over they're going to win this game by 30 uh, so i think that it really comes down to the first quarter if atlanta can hang in there and trey we've seen be very inefficient in most situations in the series if atlanta can hang around for a quarter it'll do a lot for their confidence yeah. But if Boston comes out like it's game one and they're immediately up 15, the game's over and Atlanta's going to lose by 30. I, I really think that he can make an argument, like I said earlier, in I believe game one, it'll be one of those games you can tell is going to cover the spread in the first 10 minutes, Yeah, first five minutes. It comes down to Atlanta emotionally. If they're fully up to the task, then 13 is too many points. If they get down early and realize our season's over, why are we even bothering? And Boston runs it up on them and they're up 20 at the half, that wouldn't surprise me either. So I'm going to wait and see how it goes in the first quarter. I lean to the latter. I think that Boston's going to come out and bury him immediately. That's kind of what I'm expecting. Boston, I think, knows deep down they probably should have swept the series, but defensively Mm -hmm. they kind of no-showed game three. I think they give a good effort here. Trey, once again, did some stat padding in in game four, but for the most part has really not been good in this series at all. Marcus Smart's done a good job defensively against him. Robert Williams has been great in the series defensively. Trey, I feel like instead of taking Atlanta, you might want to try to parlay it if you can. Take the points with something Trey Young related because with the amount of minutes he's going to play and with the fact that Murray's going to be out, is Trey going to play like 45 minutes tonight? Assuming that's the out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he has to. to give him kind of has shot. to. So the point is, I think you could probably parlay – Trey points or Trey assists or maybe all the above with Atlanta to cover if you think Atlanta covers because it's the only way they can. Trey's going to play too many minutes and take too many shots for him to miss all of them for Atlanta to cover. He has to play decently. Now, then his number is going to be inflated, but based on minutes and based on attempts and based on volume and usage, I think that's probably correlated. I don't think it's going to matter. I think Boston's going to win anyway, and I think Trey Young's probably going to struggle. I like the under for Collins. Collins yeah. has done nothing the entire series. I don't know what he's good at anymore. He might need surgery on something because he can't shoot. Uh, he hasn't been able to finish around the rim. Defensively, he's a bit undersized in terms of weight, so you can get bowled a little bit. I don't know what John Collins does for that team. I do like some role players. I like Bogdan. 
I like Sadiq Bay. I really like Sadiq Bay. I think he's had a very good series for them. Hunter's been good too. So maybe pivot to those role guys, but I'm going to keep taking unders on John Collins because he just doesn't show up. He hasn't shown up for a single game in the playoffs and he really just doesn't look healthy or I hope for his sake, he's not healthy because he's been that <laughs> bad for a guy making 20 plus million dollars. But my overall thoughts on this game, I think Boston probably kills him. I think they're up by double digits at the half and I think Atlanta rolls over. But if you want to make a case for the Hawks, parlay it with something with Trey because he has to play pretty well if Atlanta is going to cover this number. Boston has been up by at least a minimum of three points in, in um, all four games in the first quarter. So um, I think there's another spot where they just come out uh, in that first quarter. Yeah, and, and take care of business. So I really do like the first quarter uh, for the Boston Celtics here tonight. Um, thoughts on the total here, Delonte? Yeah, I'm I'm on the over uh, more so uh, like the team total over Boston one twenty one and a half. Uh, it doesn't bother me as far as the the bench unit coming in because, like I said, I think they can keep it up, and I think Boston's capable of putting up you know one hundred four, one hundred five in you know three and a half quarters uh, against this Hawks defense. So I like Boston's team total over one twenty one and a half the most. Also, we'll lean to the over. The Hawks have to play with a lot of pace. They got to play. They're going to be playing with, I guess, one more shooter in the lineup with Bogdan. Um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing he'll get the start for uh, for Murray, if I'm not mistaken. He but, should. Yeah, so that adds more shooting. Uh, it takes away from the defense, adds more shooting. He's a better shooter than Murray is. Um, so I think they have to get up and down, and the only shot is to shoot you know, north of 43s and to try to stay within the number. So I like the over. More importantly, I like the Boston team total over 121 and a half. Scott, thoughts on total? It's tricky because I think Atlanta is going to no-show the game. So I think Boston is going to cover. So the question is, do I think Atlanta can actually do enough offensively to send this game over? I'm not sure they can. Uh, But then again, defensively, without DeJounte, I don't know what your hopes are defensively in this game besides hoping somebody has an off game. It's tough because Atlanta has been playing faster because they kind of need to, but I'm trying to think like, is Trey going to actually push a lot in this game or is he mostly going to try to use pick and rolls? I think I'm going to lean under. I'm basically going to dare to lane the supporting cast to show up in this game. Trey, I know was very good once again in garbage time in game four, Mm -hmm. but he has not been efficient in basically any game uh, besides the last couple of minutes there in that game four. Uh, But I think I'm going to lean under mostly because I I don't think Atlanta is going to score that easily. And I think Boston, if they go up a lot, might bench everybody in the fourth quarter. I'm going to lean to the under, but I think it's correlated. I I think Boston's going to win pretty comfortably, so I'm going to lean under because I think that they're going to rest some guys, and I think that Atlanta is going to mentally no-show the game. So I'm going to lean under. But if you think Atlanta actually keeps it somewhat respectable for three quarters, you're going to lean to the over. I just don't see that happening. I think you're going to see a pretty similar story to game one. Um. Yeah, I like the Boston team total over here. I'm not going to overthink it. They've been getting whatever they want offensively, especially over the last three games. Um, it's at 121 and a half right now. Definitely shop around, try to get the best number. But when you lose Dejounte Murray and you're inserting Bogdanovich uh, into that starting lineup, possibly, I think that's a significant fall off defensively. This backcourt, you're gonna have a backcourt of Trey Young and Bogdanovich here tonight. I don't think they're gonna be able to stay in front of anybody here tonight. They've been getting this to the basket at a will as well. Have the Boston Celtics, so I'm gonna go with the team total over for the Boston Celtics. Let's quickly get into the player props here, guys. Uh, Scott, do you like anything? 
Uh, it's tricky for Balsing as once again, I'm not sure how many minutes anybody's going to play. But I do think Marcus Smart's worth something. He was actually very good offensively in game four. So I do think he can keep a role in there. Of course, Tatum and Brown might do their own thing. Uh, but thinking of the props, I like Bay a lot for Atlanta. There's some guys that are kind of bloodproof because they're kind of fringe starters, fringe bench players. They might just throw them out there anyway. I like Bogdanovich. I think he's going to take a bunch of shots, and I think that he's very solid. So I like him threes. Bay, I like for threes. It was one and a half in game four, I believe, and mm. or game three and game four, and he was just very solid from three. So I like those two guys. Trey assists I'm tempted by. I wonder if Boston's going to start trapping, and they're basically going to get the ball out of his hands. We'll see. But I, I don't mind Trey assists. He had 15 in game four. But for the most part, I'm not sure what I really like for Boston because – once again, they could, there's a lot of different ways this game could go where the starters don't play many minutes. I do like Al Horford under, who's done basically nothing in this entire series besides rebound and pass the ball. So I think he had zero points in game four. I don't think he scored. So I'm going to lean to the under on Horford. Uh, besides that, not really. Uh, can I get the over on the Kung Fu fouls, if that exists? Because I think he's going <laughs> to probably pick up 5,000 15 minutes like he always does. But Hunter, I don't mind. It's mostly just trying to pick which role player you think is going to step up for Atlanta if you think Trey is going to pass the ball a lot. But for Boston, it's pretty tricky because, once again, I'm not sure how many minutes guys are going to play, but I'll lean to Al Horford under because he has really not done anything in terms of shooting this entire series. And John Collins under. I got to take Collins under. Uh, Del- uh, Delonte, player props. Yeah, I'm waiting on some Bay props. I agree with Scott. I think he has an increased role. He's been doing – Pretty much everything when he's getting the minutes, um, but his props aren't out yet, so I just won't speak. He's been Atlanta's like, most consistent player in the series. Or you yeah, can argue him or maybe maybe Hunter. Yeah, but. defensively he does a, a solid job too. Um, one of the underrated defenders on their team. Well, I mean they don't have many, but yeah. Uh, Bogdan over seventeen and a half points. He's over in two of the last four games. Um, he had foul trouble in game four, so that kind of limited his rhythm offensively. With him getting an increased, you know, minutes uh, uptick, I think he has a little bit more freedom to shoot and not have to worry about getting subbed out. Uh, my favorite one, though, is Derek White threes over. It's over two and a half. Uh, it's at plus 120. You can get plus 120-ish on it. Uh, I'll, you know, shop around, make sure you get the best number. He's over in all four games. He's shooting 48% from deep. And, you know, the driving kick is killing Atlanta. Um, they can't they can't control it. He's getting wide open looks uh, like every other possession. He shot 50 percent in both home games versus the Hawks. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has, you know, three or four in the first half. So that's one of my favorite props of the um, of the slate today. All right, let's get over to the next game of the night. We have the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. They are in the mile high city. Denver right now a nine and a half point favorite. They are also looking to close this series out. Um, total sitting at two twenty in this game. I will say Scott Foster is officiating this game here tonight, and home teams have been doing very well in um, Scott Foster's game during the regular season. I'll bring that number up here quickly. Um, so home teams are forty two and twenty one against the spread during the regular season. 45 and 18 straight up, 40 and 23 to the over. He's this is his fourth game that he's officiating um in the playoffs. Um he officiated the first game for the game one against the Lakers, uh, but Lakers won that game. But then Phoenix won game two with uh Scott Foster officiating, and then New York won. I think it was game 
I want to say it was the last game that they did win. Um, it was one of the home games, but uh, that trend is continuing right now for Scott Foster right now. But um, let's start with the side here. Delonte, lead us off with this one. Uh, Denver Nuggets minus nine and a half against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, this is probably the only like big big favorite that I would lay comfortably. Uh, I think nine and a half is somewhat short, especially with I think Kyle Anderson's out this game, right? Yeah, Anderson's an out injury, with the eye one. injury. Yeah, so I mean that just throws a wrench in their depth. Um, they don't have anybody to guard Michael Porter Jr. as it is, but Kyle Anderson was doing a the best job I think that anybody could do on that team. So that loses some uh, some defense there, also some playmaking with the second unit. So you're expecting guys like Torian Prince and um, Nikhil Alexander Walker, maybe even Austin Rivers might get Austin Rivers signing tonight. Uh, so. I'm not sure they have enough to be able to withstand what the Nuggets are going to do. It's important that the Nuggets win this game comfortably, escape without injury, and get ready for Phoenix. It's going to be a, a big series. So Phoenix is looking to finish uh, Clippers off tonight, and we'll get to that in a second. But I think it's I think it's prompt that they get this done pretty good. I mean, even with Anthony Edwards going like Super Saiyan, they still having trouble winning those games or even being competitive. I thought the Nuggets – yeah, they didn't they didn't blow it, but they didn't take advantage of Minnesota trying to give them the game, uh, if that makes sense. So I like the Nuggets laying the nine and a half. Uh probably would try to take an alternate number, get them laying uh like fifteen. I think they win by twenty tonight. Uh Scott. I disagree. I'm, I'm going to take the points. Uh, I think that Denver has been a team that for several, I'd say third quarters for the most part, they just no show the game after halftime. It seems like there's a mental lapse there for about 12 minutes every game where they just let the other team hang around and cut into the deficit. And you look up and they dominate most of the game and they're up five. I feel like Denver's a team I don't want to lay double digits with, basically, uh, since nine and a half means they're winning by double digits. Minnesota has some life and they had none of it uh, about half about, uh, I don't know, halfway through game four. And then the third quarter happened and went on a run. Fourth quarter, Edwards took over. Nobody on Denver can guard Edwards. And maybe I'm just hoping Edwards goes for another 40-piece. But I do like the way that he's been carrying himself in this series. He took it personally in his own words that they weren't going to get swept. I like how he's played. Cat uh, was fine the last couple of games. He got he fouled out, but he still had a pretty solid rebounding game. Gobert's been okay recently. I understand that uh, Anderson's been a good role player for them. But Alexander Walker's been good. Prince can hit some shots every now and then, but it's mostly just not wanting to play nine and a half with a Denver team that really just doesn't seem mentally focused for all 48 minutes for whatever reason. It seems like they really take their foot off the gas, mostly after halftime, and they kind of let other teams hang around. I, I feel like I'm going to lean to Minnesota, and I'm hoping Edwards carries them to a cover, but I think this game's going to be close. I, I think Minnesota was a team that was basically dead in the water, and now they have a little bit of confidence. I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but if Denver won by seven, would I be shocked? Not really. I think I'm going to take the points with a team that has actually looked better as the series has gone on. I'm going to lean to Minnesota plus the points. Yeah, I lean with Minnesota here as well. Um, I, I The only game one was where we saw Denver – Splits this team, but they were yeah. they were in a bad situation, right? Where the Minnesota Timberwolves coming off the two playing games and then having to travel into altitude and play Denver. But other than that, it's really been 
nine, eight, nine point victories for the Denver Nuggets. But yeah, game two is a great example of that they yeah. were blowing them out by 20. They no showed the third quarter which yeah, they did a couple of times in the series. And this could be a possibility where it is another backdoor cover for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I know the two victories that the um, Denver Nuggets have had that been both by nine points. Um, and I think like you mentioned that Anthony Edwards has found something as this, that the series has progressed, especially after game one. He's been playing well. Uh, I'm looking for that next person to also step up here tonight. I'm not sure it's going to be Carl Anthony Towns. I can't trust him at all anymore. Um, <laughs> but it's going to have to be somebody else that's going to have to step up, whether it's the, one of those games where you have a random role player that does step up um, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So um, I'm going to I'm gonna take the points here at plus nine and a half as well. Uh, we've seen the last, I think, two out of the three games, sorry, two out of the four games have gone over the total um, I know I think it squeaked under the total in game four when it did go to overtime, if I'm not mistaken. But total currently sits at 220 here. Uh, Scott, any thoughts on that? It's really tricky. Uh, the pace was so ugly in game three that I'm or game four that I'm kind of wondering how it's going to play out. I think I'm going to lean to the over because Anderson has done a good job defensively on Michael Porter Jr., et cetera, and now he's out of the lineup. So I do think Denver's offense can get going a bit. I still don't think that Denver can guard Anthony Edwards. Like, I think Edwards no. can really go for another 40-piece here. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm going to lean over. I think you'll see some points in this game. It, it's pretty difficult, though, because Minnesota, I think, plays better when the game is slow. And I'm not sure if Denver wants to run with Jokic. So it is a bit tricky, but I think I'm going to lean to the over and just hope guys make shots. But I'm really on the fence about the total. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say we're from the total as well. Uh, I, I really... Again, this number has pretty much been spot on um, throughout this series. I know what two of the games went over, like I mentioned, uh, got into the 230 range. But I I, I just – nothing on the total for me, I'll say that. I do like the side, obviously, for Minnesota. But uh, Delonte, any thoughts on the total? And then take us into your player props as well. Yeah, uh, as far as total-wise, I'm kind of conflicted with you guys because on one end, I think that Minnesota has to play fast to be able to get out and transition and get the ball – um, get the ball in Ant's hands and transition and let him make plays. But on the other hand, they're kind of shorthanded. So how many of those guys are going to be able to step up and, and perform? So they kind of want to maybe slow it down so they can get more minutes, more effective minutes from their starters. But, yeah, so I'm just conflicted. I'll lean to the under uh, just because I think that the pace slows down for Minnesota. And, you know, Denver, they don't play at a fast pace. They're pretty comfortable playing at any pace. Um, maybe a Denver team total over is probably the better look here. Uh, but as far as the full total, I'll lean to the under. Uh, I, I probably won't be on it, though. Uh, player prop-wise, yeah, I like we, we talked about Michael Porter Jr. I like him over 17.5 points. Uh, you know, one less defender without Anderson being there. He was pretty much the primary defender on him. And even then, he's been in a good rhythm all series. He's shooting 48% from three, uh, 53% from the field, over twice in the series. Um, I like Ant over 2.5 steals and blocks. Probably want to ladder it up to, like, 3.5 if I can get plus money on it. He's averaging 4.3 steals plus blocks in the series. He's been more locked in defensively than I've probably seen him all year. Uh, and I know Scott doesn't like the saying if he wants to play defense, uh, you know. But he's playing it right now. I mean, obviously back against the wall. So he's doing a really good job in that area. So I expect, you know, the same effort. I think he's had five in two of the three games plus steals and blocks combined. So I think he'll get there tonight. 
I don't see Torian Prince props, but I'll be on him. He's got to be one of those guys that steps up and hits a couple threes in the absence of Anderson. So I like Torian Prince points and threes. I just don't have a number on it just yet because it's not posted. I'll probably put it in Discord or something. Uh, Scott, player props. For me, I think I've got to go with the obvious choice. Give me Anthony Edwards over. Uh, he's been so good in the series. It seems like he has taken full responsibility of this team, which you wanted to see. And he's been great. So I'm going to go with Anthony Edwards over. I think he probably goes for 35 tonight. It's why I think Minnesota is going to end up covering. But I'm going to go with Edwards over. I really like how he took over the game in the second half, especially the fourth quarter and the three-pointer at the end of overtime. I like his over. I probably like Towns under for points because I don't trust him to actually score. The rebounds, maybe I could t- I could tap myself into an over. But the issue with Cat is always foul trouble and the mm-hmm. lack of overall engagement offensively. I'm going to lean to the under on cap points because he could get into foul trouble in this game. We'll see. Uh, besides that, do I think Jamal Murray is going to have a game to to you know rival Anthony Edwards again? I'm not totally sure about that, but I think my main player prop that I like will be the over on Edwards. I just love the way that he's been kind of playing as the series has progressed, and I do think that with his confidence continuing to rise and with Denver really having no answers defensively, I think Edwards is really kind of just an auto bet for overs in the immediate future. I'm going to go with the over on Edwards here. I think Edwards has a good game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Edwards as well. I already bet this was at 28 and a half. I mean, he, like you mentioned, Scott, he's found something uh, over the past three games uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And again, if they want a chance to win this game outright or even cover the number, they're going to have to have him put up at least 30 plus points here tonight at minimum um, and, and get something from somebody else on this roster. So, Anthony Edwards for me as well. Uh, didn't have anything else for this game, guys? Nope. I mentioned Cat rebounds. Maybe you could tempt yourself into, but once again, foul trouble has been an issue with him. Uh, yeah, I don't mind Alexander Walker Kat. threes, who made a couple of big shots in game four. Uh, you said that Anderson's not is not going to play, so he he should get more minutes. But I think Walker three-pointers might be worth a look because he did make some shots and maybe some confidence in himself and maybe even with Edwards and everyone passing him the ball. I don't mind the threes for Alexander Walker. All right. Last game of the night here. Another team looking to close it out. That's going to be the Phoenix Suns. They are at home in game five with a three, one lead. Uh, Currently, as we are sitting here, the line is at 12 and a half for the Phoenix Suns. Um, No, uh, Kawhi Leonard again for the uh, Los Angeles, uh, sorry, Lakers, Los Angeles Clippers. Total sitting at 224 in this game. Um, Scott, why don't you lead us off? Uh, Suns laying 12 and a half at home, looking to close things out. So if Phoenix would cover, it wouldn't totally shock me, but I'm going to take the points. The Clippers have hung around in this series, yeah. and whether it's because the Suns are just letting Westbrook go for 30 every night, or whether it's because the Suns, kind of like Denver, doesn't seem fully focused for a full 48 minutes. For whatever reason, the Clippers have been able to hang around in each individual game. They haven't won many of them, uh, but they've been close in a couple of these. I can see this game really being a single-digit game for most of the way through. I'm not picking the Clippers to win. I'm not. I'm just going to get that out of the way right now. I think the Suns win this game. But do I think they win by margin? No. Do I think they need to win by margin? No, I don't think the Suns really care. I just think the Suns want to win and move on. And the Clippers have really shown the ability to hang around and to not roll over when things look ugly. So I'm going to take the points here. The spread just seems a little bit inflated. I'm not sure why the spread is this high because Phoenix has not really covered this number. 
And yeah. yet it was I don't remember what it was in game uh four. What was it? It was like eight, nine? What was the seven what was and it? Half. Um, it was seven, seven and a half? Yeah. And they did cover that in the end, but a lot of it came down to some free throws and Chris Paul made that shot from behind the backboard and you know some stuff happened down the stretch. But for me, I'm gonna go with the points here. I just think that the Clippers find a way to hang around. It's gonna come down to the wire with the spread. I think Phoenix wins this game by either 10 or by like 14. It's gonna be somewhere in that range, but I'm gonna take the points and I'm gonna hope that the Clippers put together a good effort. Maybe Mann has a good game. Maybe Powell goes nuts again. I'm gonna lean to the points though. Yeah, I'm gonna take the points here as well. I think this is this is a, a smidge too high. Uh, I know the Suns have won by 14 and 12. Um uh in the in game two and game four, but like you said, like you said, Scott, that you know, I think Westbrook will still get his, but you know, maybe somebody else steps up, whether it's Norman Powell, whether it's you know, Eric Gordon gets off to a hot start and they're just kind of hanging around this number. And they again, they'll I, I think obviously Phoenix will win this game, but it could be in the realm of like a eight to nine point victory here tonight for the Phoenix Suns. Um Somebody again, it, was, it just feels like somebody is going to step up outside of Norman Powell and Russell Westbrook. This number does seem a little inflated. I know they did win by 12, like I mentioned, but I think there were some, some late free throws or a late dunk there that kind of got them over that number uh, for the Phoenix Suns in game four. But um do think they win the game. But again, I think this will probably be like a nine, 10 point victory. I think they'll just squeak within this number. And I think like Clippers will lay everything out on the floor here tonight, trying to extend this series. So we shall see. But uh, I'll take the points here. Clippers plus 12 and a half as well for me. Uh, Delonte, what do you got? Yeah, I like the Clippers also. Um, Suns don't have any, you know, like they don't have any, I guess, conviction to win by marching here. They probably want to get Katie uh, Booker and Chris Paul ready for the next series because they've been playing like 40 plus minutes in most of these games. And like you said, they've only won by over 13 or over 12 once. And that was in a game that, was close down the stretch. All of these games have been pretty competitive down the stretch. And then, like Scott mentioned, free throws and just some ill-advised turnovers. They turn the game into a double-digit victory. It's kind of misleading. So yeah. I think the Clippers hang on. Uh, they have the depth to be able to withstand some of the things. I'll probably look at the Suns in the second half. I know it's kind of hard to dictate a number, but the Clippers probably come out fight as they usually do in the first quarter, first half. And then the Suns probably just pull away slowly but surely with KD and Booker. Um, but overall, I'll take the points with the Clippers. I think it's going to be, a, I mean, going right into the total. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be a slower-paced game. Um, I think Phoenix will try to slow it down, grind, grind the Clippers out in a half-court type of setting. I think that tends to lend, lend to the uh, lean to the Clippers as far as um, pace-wise. So I think both of these teams will be able to do some things defensively and not let each other's offense dictate you know, what they want to do. So I like the under in the game. I think that, you know, it's correlated to the underdog. Scott, total? For me, I think I'm going to lean over in this one uh, because I think the Clippers have to go small. And I thought they figured it out when they were competitive in game three. And then they gave Zubak 24 minutes. I don't know what Ty Lue is doing. The team, I get the team is, you know, out outmanned. It is what it is. But I don't know why Zubak's playing so many minutes. He's given them nothing. And we know that Aiton can struggle against smaller guys because he doesn't exactly look to dominate in the paint, even though, um, according to him, he's been dominating in the series, right? That was the uh, dominate, domin- so, so bad. dominating. 
Was that is that what he was going with? <laughs> yeah. yeah, either way. He's he's gonna trademark that, but still, I don't think Zubak should play that much. I, I think the Clippers have to go small, and I really don't know why he's still playing 20-something minutes. They're gonna lose anyway, most likely. You gotta try something new. Why not go small? Give Covington some minutes at the five, see what happens, and shoot more threes. I'm gonna lean over because I'm hoping that Tyloo realizes Zubak shouldn't see the floor in the series. I'm gonna lean over, but if Tyloo plays Zubak 20 something minutes, then you know that's his problem. So I'm gonna lean over, but you can make an argument either way. Yeah, I think that um yeah, I'm going to go with an under in this game as well. Don't love it. I, I think it'll be something similar to what we saw in game four. Uh, maybe it starts off, you know, with a lot of pace in and guys um, getting up and down the floor. But I think it really slows down in the second half um, where we've seen it, I think, in multiple series where the pace really does slow down. I know the second half have been higher scoring for the Clippers and Suns games, but I mean... If you want to look at an over, I'd probably look at a Suns team total over. Um, I think just Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are going to get whatever they want, like they have been all series long. So nothing uh, exactly for me on the total. Uh, let's get to player props before we wrap it up here, guys. Delonte, player props. The only player prop I like, which I, I actually love it, is Russell Westbrook over 42.5 points, rebounds, and assists. I think he's been playing extremely well uh, down the stretch without those two key guys. He's been playing – Incredible defense um, on Booker and KD, uh, just rotating on those guys. So I think he's going to – obviously, Russell's going to always bring it. Um, his energy is going to always be there. Never going to have to question his effort. The shot so far, he's been shooting three slightly better. So um, without those two guys, I mean, the shots are going to be there for him. Um, so I like him over 42.5. I like Eric Gordon over two and a half threes. He's went over twice and landed on two in – um, in one of those games, I think it was game. I think it was the last game actually that he, that it landed to, uh, game four. So I like him over two and a half threes made. That's how, he shot seven of sixteen from three in the first two games in Phoenix. So I mean he's pretty comfortable there. Uh, so I like both of those props to go over. Uh, Scott, any player props? I agree with Westbrook. I think he might be in line for a triple double tonight. We'll see. But he's going to have the ball in his hands the entire game, and he should because he's been very good for this yep. team. I like Zubak under. It's at nine and a half. I don't know why it's at nine and a half. He's gone under this number in every game in this series. And most of these games, he hasn't been close. Uh, to read off Zubak's numbers and points here, so, so not every game. He went over in the first two games. The last three games, eight points, six points, four points. And he's been hovering around 22 to 24 minutes. I'm on the under for Zubak. He just hasn't taken many shots. And once again, I think they have to go smaller. And I think they have to push it a little bit in terms of the pace. Uh, do you think Marcus Morris sees the floor? <laughs> I mean, they started him last game, but he was so bad. I, I don't know how Ty Lue keeps him in and gives him reasonable minutes when he was that useless in game four. He was so brutal in that game. How does man not play 30, 35 minutes? I think Morris has to be the odd man out, right? Like, I don't think you can use him. I think somebody started for him in the second half of that game four. I don't know if it was Terrence Mann or who it was, but I did see a note that came across that somebody started in Marcus Morris' spot in uh, the second half of game four. But I don't even see props on Morris. That's how yeah. low the ball is it's a, him. But. It's a thing the, that they just don't have the bodies right now, right? They're missing Paul George. They're missing Kawhi Leonard. Uh, the, Ty Lue, like has to play these guys. He doesn't have a choice, which – 
you know, is going to be the demise of the LA uh, Clippers. And it has been. I've I seen Morris at seven and a half. Morris is at seven and a half. It's uh, the overs minus one thirty. He took thirteen shots last game. He only made three of them, but he took two of eleven shots. And yeah. his points prop is seven and a half. So I think that the odds makers are telling you he's not going to see the floor for basically any of this game. And I wouldn't really blame anybody. But I'm going to lean under on Morris. That number seems extremely low for a guy that had that much volume. So I don't think he's going to play pretty much at all in this game. But for me, I'm on Zubak under. Gone under in three straight. Once again, the Clippers have to go small. You have to try to copy what Dallas did last year, which is just force Aiden to guard the three-point line, pray you make your shots, and also by taking Zubak out, you create more room in the lane for Westbrook to drive. So once again, I don't know why he hasn't made that adjustment, but stop playing Zubak. I- I'm going to go with the under on his points. Uh, the only pop I did like in this game was Devin Booker steals and blocks over two and a half. Uh, that's, at, I think, plus 135, if I'm not mistaken. But um, he's done very well as far as getting blocks and steals throughout the series. Uh, game one, he had four and three. Game two, he only ended up with one steal. But over the last two games, three steals, two blocks, and then he had three steals uh, in game four. So I think that continues here tonight for Devin Booker. That is do, at do plus agree, 135. Do you agree mm-hmm. that um, there is, I don't want to say a growth to Booker's game, but at least acknowledging that he's been very, very solid defensively in the series. Is it because he hates the Clippers, or has he actually kind of made a growth on that end? I think it's, I think a, it's a growth thing. Yeah, I think it's a growth thing. Because he has been very good defensively, but I want to kind of give him his flowers for that because people talk about the offense. You want to yeah. know why? It's, it's because of Kevin Durant. That's why. That's why. He got he got more rim protection in the back, him and Aiton, and he's seeing more one-on-one coverage than ever before. So he's not extending as much energy offensively um, so he's able to, you know, put forth more effort defensively because, I mean, he's seeing one-on-one coverage. Like, they can't trap off that pick and roll because you're going you're gonna to leave Booker, Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul is struggling right now, but – He, he was know, okay last game, though. Yeah, but, I mean, you got to think they got to pick their poison of who they who they doubled off that pick and roll. So – and they're using a the small, small pick and roll with – well, I guess you don't want to call it small, small because Kevin Durant set the foot. But with Booker and KD running that pick and roll – I mean, you got to choose. Are you going to blitz? Are you going to drop? You're going to like. What are you going to do? So it's kind of a tough decision that you put the defense in. So I, I like, I like you said, I like how Booker's been playing defensively. I think it's just goes back to how he's playing offensively, like with so much ease and less effort. He doesn't have to carry the team as much. Yeah. All right, guys. Anything else for this game? Nothing. Uh, All right. No. First, what do you think about my Zubak prop? Like, I don't understand why the line is that high. I cannot back you in any center props that we're taking. <laughs> I won. Just, I won Capella. This is going to be a game where I'm Zubac only one and one on the center props. I won Capella. Twenty and twenty. This feels like okay. a Nick Clax's situation, Scott. <laughs> okay, but it makes sense. I mean, in all seriousness, it does make sense, right? That he hasn't really been playable. Uh, the minutes. Okay, 20-some-odd minutes that he's averaging. He's not going to get the shot attempts. He's the last probably offensive option. The only points that he is going to get is probably on lobs or it's going to be on uh, rebounds and put back uh, shot attempts for, for Zubat. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue against it. Again, they also have Mason Plumlee coming off the bench for them as well. So Yeah, and, I, and for the record, it's not really a rank because I know we kind of want to wrap it up, but just to at least mention it, I understand that Paul George and Kawhi are out. I get all that. Mm-hmm. I am so tired of people talking about Ty Lue like he's a top five coach in the league. 
I don't think he's a great coach. I think he was he's good fine. at one point. Yeah, I think he's above average. Like I'd put him probably yeah. somewhere, but in that like ten to thirteen range. But mm-hmm. every year, people are like Ty Lue, genius. He's a what? Is he? Is <laughs> is he really that good as a coach? Like I, I don't know why people think he's that good as a head coach. He's, I think he's fine. People say I he's top so. five or top three. Who said that he's the best coach in the league? That was yeah. Stephen A. Who said that? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. If somebody shocked said that is like that he's the best coach. I'm not a fan of Ty Lue. I think he's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. some like so I basically think that personality it works with players too. I think personality plays a part in how people feel. Like from a perspective of how good somebody's it. like Tyron Lue, you never hear anybody say anything bad about him. So obviously that would just think, oh yeah, he's a great coach. So nobody's gonna say, oh yeah, he's kind of average or he's kind of below average because of his personality. And I think that's kind of somewhat what we see with some of these guys as far as like players like we don't want to you know chastise some of these players for being not so good when their personality is you know pretty good so yeah, i think that's i think that's the reason why i see jr mentioning in a question down below ty Lu versus jason kidd once not again a I don't think Ty Lue's that bad of a coach. No, I just not. don't think that he's a top five coach in the league. Jason Kidd is objectively a bad coach. Yeah. I've gone on record on this several times. He couldn't do anything with Giannis. The Nets, the Nets, whatever. You know, he spills a drink, gets an extra timeout. I'll give him bonus points for that. But I don't think he's a great coach, Jason Kidd. Ty Lue, I think, is fine. But I'm tired of hearing him being put in the elite of the elite because people go, he's a great coach. And then they go, well, LeBron carried his team to a win. Well, which is it? Either you're a great coach or LeBron goes for 40 in a playoff series and you end up winning. Like, I don't think Tyler is that great of a coach, in. but whatever. I, I think he's okay. Uh, all right, guys, let's close it out here with our lock and dog for the Tuesday games. Uh, Delonte, lead us off, my man. Yeah, for the lock, I'm going with uh, Boston over 121.5 team total. Uh, we talked about it earlier. I think they have extreme success against the Atlanta defense without their best defender. And even with that defender, they were still getting what they wanted. So I think that continues tonight. With my dog, I'm going to go with Derek White over two and a half threes made. You can get plus 120, plus 125 if you want to shop around. He's been on fire at home and throughout the whole series, so I don't think anything changes. He's going to get some wide open looks uh, tonight. And I think they bury uh, Atlanta tonight. So those are my two uh, picks for lock and dog. Scott, what do you got? All right. Uh, so for my lock, you know what? It's kind of like a troll play, but at the same point, it's still funny because it actually won last game. Give me Zubak under nine <laughs> and a half. I'm just going to do it. At this point, it's a running joke. I'm only one and one in those. So it's not as bad as you might think. Just Claxton was so bad and the first half for Capella was so bad, but it got there in the end. I'm going with under on Zubak. Once again, I was going back to Ty Lue, and I think he might be an overrated coach. Please stop giving Zubak this many minutes. He's giving you <laughs> nothing out there. You have to go small. I don't know what you're waiting for. I, I think that Zubak, nine and a half is too high. He's gone under in three straight, doesn't get the shot attempts. He's playing once again around 24 minutes or so, if that. So I don't see a lot of run for him in this game. Give me the under nine and a half points on Zubak. You can tail it, you can fade it, whatever you want to do with it, but that's what I'm taking for my lock. And for my dog, I have a couple of choices. It's either Edwards 30-plus points or Minnesota third-quarter money line because Minnesota's actually been really good in the third quarter in the series. They got killed in game one. Game two, they had a great comeback there in the third quarter. Game three, they tied, 
in game four and game four they did very well in the in the third quarter. So I am kind of tempted by the third quarter money line, but I think I'm just gonna go with my instinct here and take Edwards either 30 points or 35 points. I think Edwards is gonna go off in this game. Denver can't guard him. Uh, the last time they were they were in this arena, you saw Edwards go for what 40, 41. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'll take the Edwards points here. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what number I like more between the Oh, sorry. Let me just pull this up really quickly. Uh, For the 30 points, Edwards is plus 115. 35 is plus 320. You know what? Let's live a little. Give me Edwards 35 plus at uh, plus 320. All right. Uh, Yeah, I like that. Edwards one. I I really uh, think that he's going to have a big game here tonight. Uh, All right. For my lock, I'm also going to go with the Boston Celtics uh, team total here, but I'm going to go in the first half. Uh, team total over. I do a see a 62 and a half right now. First half uh, over. Um, I'm going to go with that for the Boston Celtics in the first half. And then for my dog, I'm going to go with um, Devin Booker steals plus block steals plus blocks over two and a half at plus one thirty five. Talked about how he's really filled it up the filled up the stat sheet. Uh, over the last two games, or sorry, last three games for the, um, sorry, three out of the four games, I should say, for the Phoenix Suns. Um, and again, you still have Westbrook out there. I know he's having a great series, but he's still prone to turning the ball over. And I think these some of these other guys as well uh, for the Clippers as well have been turning the ball over, and Devin Booker's have been able to block some shots as well. So at two and a half, where he's consistently done it throughout the four games, I'll take my chance, especially at a price of, price of plus 135. So Lock for me, Celtics team, first half team total over 62 and a half. And then uh, dog steals and blocks over two and a half plus 135. And again, you can find those steals and blocks props combined at DraftKings. Um, so I, yeah, I think there's some other books that do offer it as well. But DraftKings is the main one uh, where I get those lines from. By the way, I see Nick asking for my opinion on Darvin Ham. I'm not a Darvin Ham guy. Once again, I think Ty Lue is better than him. Jason Kidd might be better than him. I think Jason Kidd probably is better than Darvin Ham. Uh, so, yeah, Ham is in my, like, bottom ten. I, I don't think he's a good coach at all. I, I think you got to give Darvin Ham a pass right now because it is his first year as a head coach. And, again, he's going to learn a lot of things. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Um, yeah. as, I'm, as a head coach. I'm saying right now if I had to grade him based on his first season, I've been more disappointed, if anything. But, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think Kidd's probably a little bit better than him. But that's kind of the ballpark that I'm looking at. Like Tyler is clearly ahead of those guys. I just don't think yeah. that he's a top five coach in the league. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the NBA gambling podcast. Uh, three games on the schedule here tonight. Three teams looking to uh, advance to the next series. Uh, but we shall see if any one of these series are going to be extended here tonight. Uh, last question before we get out of here, guys. One word answer. Of these three series, which one, if you or which one, if you had a gun to your head, which one do you think gets extended to a game five? Delonte. Oh, damn. Good question. Uh, fuck, that's a good question. Um, Is that part of your answer? Because it's a Clippers. Word. Clippers. Okay. Scott. Uh, you said Scott Foster is in Denver tonight, right? He's in Denver, yeah. Minnesota. Okay. All He's right. the extender. I can't go against the extender. Come on, man. Well, he's been doing real well with four home teams as well. But if I had to pick, it would be Minnesota as well. But uh, yeah, we'll see. It's not many great choices. Man. Each each spread it's is not, nine and a half or higher. Like you got to pick something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
All right, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow in some form. Or, or sorry, uh, Scott and uh, Terrell will be back tomorrow to handicap the Wednesday games and then recap what we saw on Tuesday night. Uh, make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Follow Delante on Twitter at XXLanteXX. Follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. If you haven't already, smash that like button for us. Um, really helps us grow the show on YouTube. Subscribe, all, uh, subscribe if you haven't already to the YouTube channel for the NBA Pod, and then follow us on Twitter as well at SGPNNBA on Twitter. Good luck with your bets here tonight. Enjoy the games. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-basket.